This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, balancing our way into episode number 14. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from Natural Birth and Baby Care, and we're here with episode number 14 of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. I'm really excited this week because there's so much good stuff coming. Uh, I don't even know where to start. In fact, I really can't start because it's all coming in the future. It's not here right now, but I'm going to have an interview coming up uh, with Rowanna, who is the author of Cut, Stapled, and Mended, and that is going to be an excellent interview. Uh, there's, I'm, I'm taking classes right now, just some continuing education for myself on birth and baby issues, and I'm learning so much, and I already have so many podcasts planned about what I'm learning, and I can't wait to share that with you. So there's lots of good stuff coming. There's a complete overhaul of naturalbirthandbabycare.com, which is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast's home on the web. So you'll be able to see that. There are just so many exciting things coming, and there's so much exciting stuff going on in the world of birth and baby right now. One news item that I wanted to talk to you about this week is that the American Academy of Pediatrics has released a statement on home birth and infant care after home birth. It's getting some controversy. Some people say that it's a good thing that they're recognizing home birth as a viable option, that they feel the need to release a statement. Other people are saying that their advice in there shows a pretty good amount of ignorance about how home birth midwives take care of newborns after birth and that babies are already given an excellent level of care. I don't want to get into the debate on that, but I do want you to be aware that the American Academy of Pediatrics has released a statement, and I will link to that in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. It definitely does mean that home birth is getting more and more in the mainstream, and major medical organizations are standing up and taking notice, and maybe they're realizing that home birth is here to stay. It's not something that's going to go away. Before we jump into the podcast, I want to let you know that I am having some trouble with my computer right now, and I think that it's affecting the audio quality of my podcast in in that there's some choppiness, and I really can't figure out exactly what's going on right now, but hopefully it won't affect this episode too terribly much, and hopefully we will get that problem figured out before any more episodes need to be recorded. I also have my three-month-old Corwin in my arms, and he's being particularly snuffly and noisy today, so I hope he's not bothering you too terribly much, and hopefully his uh, squeaks and grunts won't turn into fussing. Okay, so we'll jump into today's topic for the podcast, which is um, how to handle closely spaced pregnancies. I felt like this was a really good topic to tackle because you really don't see a lot on this and you certainly don't see much in a positive light. My viewpoint is that babies are always a blessing. It doesn't matter how far apart they are, whether you get pregnant five months after your baby's born or five years after your baby's born, babies are always a blessing. So I would encourage you really to to just ignore any negative comments that you get. 
I know that there are unplanned pregnancies that happen. You just really don't know exactly what happened, but all of a sudden you've got a little baby and then you're pregnant again. Then I know that a lot of you moms are deciding that you want to have closely spaced pregnancies because there are benefits to getting the baby stage over with. And then there are families who have decided that they just don't want to use birth control. Um, And maybe they want God to plan the size of their families or maybe they have bad reactions to birth control and just decide that they don't want to they don't want to bother with that and they want to be open to the number of kids that they get. There are a lot of political discussions that can come therein. We won't get into those. But whatever your choice is or however you find yourself in the situation of handling closely spaced pregnancies, I truly support moms who are in this situation. And I've had two pregnancies that were fairly closely spaced together um, out of my, well, two times have I had closely spaced pregnancies, let me say that. So, uh, So my first and second and then my fifth and sixth babies were both fairly close together. And um, I found a lot of blessings in that, and there's challenges in that too. So what I wanted to go over today with you is just an overview of how you can handle your closely spaced pregnancies, how you can enjoy and thrive in your closely spaced pregnancies, how you can make sure that your new baby is healthy. And we'll go over a few tips at the end for once baby comes. Um... But I'm not going to go into that a lot in detail. Mostly we'll focus on pregnancy. But if you're interested in balancing life with two children who are close together in age or or two babies, essentially, then I can do another podcast episode on that because I really feel like um, this episode could end up getting pretty long and encyclopedic if we try and and straddle both before and after pregnancy. So with that, we'll just jump, jump right into things. So again... However you found yourself in this situation, uh, whether by choice or a little one who really wanted to be here, remember, just ignore negative comments because you really are probably going to get some, and even if nobody says it to your face, you may just feel like you're getting condemned by people's looks. And even if people really aren't thinking anything about it, you might be hypersensitive. Pregnancy is a time of being hypersensitive anyways. So just ignore any negative comments, or if you feel like you're getting stared at or something, just ignore it and realize that you love your little ones, both of them, and that life will be good even with them spaced closely together. I would encourage you first and right off the bat, accept help that's really helpful. The reason why I um, I worded it this way in my notes is because sometimes people will offer to help in ways that are not helpful to you or you don't feel like they're right for your family. So somebody may say, oh, well, I'll take your older baby so you can rest for the day, or I'll take your young toddler so you can rest for the day. And if that feels right to you, then go right ahead and accept that help. But if it doesn't feel right to you, if you don't want somebody taking your little one away for the day or overnight, then just say, you know, that I don't really like that idea or I don't feel comfortable with that, or me and my husband have discussed it, and we just don't feel comfortable with our children being away from us. And I know that this is a common way that people help, and it's also a kind of a common quandary that moms find themselves in. Uh, So in that case, you could say something like, well, it would be okay if you take them to the park, or could you come over and play with my little one outside, or could you come over and help me make supper, and we'll just have supper together, and 
you can help play with the little one that way. And some people won't be open to things like that. But you can think about ways to approach that creatively so that even though you don't want them to take your older baby, your toddler, away from you, you can still be open to their help. But hopefully you're going to get somebody who's going to help you and they're going to realize your parenting style and what you feel comfortable with. And hopefully they'll offer to help you by helping with housework or food, which is what what we often need. Um, when I was pregnant with my second, actually right, right before I was uh, about to give birth to him, I didn't I wasn't technically in labor yet, uh, so we didn't know if he was going to come that night or if it was still going to be a few days, but I was really feeling down, and my oldest, Cassidy, was 18 months at that time, and my friend Tracy came over. She took us out, and we went window shopping for a little while, and then she took us to dinner, and I really couldn't eat, but it was just really wonderful to be at the restaurant, and she was entertaining Cassidy and keeping Cassidy happy, and then we got back to my house, and uh, I went and soaked in the tub for a while, and she took care of Cassidy, got Cassidy all ready for bed, got her put to bed, and then she cleaned the house for me. You know, she scrubbed all the counters while I was in the bath. It was just so wonderful, and she never took Cassidy away, but so she was always there, which was good because I liked, I liked having my Cassidy around me. I didn't want her to be away from me. I didn't want somebody to come and take her away, but I really did appreciate the way that Tracy found to help me. And it did turn out, actually, that Asher was coming that night. So I felt really bad because Tracy lived about 45 minutes away from me. And she left, and, oh, about 45 minutes later, right about when she walked in the door and went to lay down in her bed, I called her and asked her, could she come back? But she, um, so she did come back, and she was there for when Cassidy woke up and was with Cassidy all during my labor because we had a home birth. And she was just really fabulous. And somehow, between juggling Cassidy and keeping her totally happy, also managed to take some awesome pictures of Asher's birth. So she was a Wonder Woman. And if you have a Wonder Woman in your life that's willing to help you, might be a friend like Tracy was or your sister or your mom, uh, then just accept their help. And going along with that, accept or, or find helpful support systems in your life. Because this is a time in your life when you do need support. And I'm talking about not just practical support like we were just talking about, but also just moral support. And that could mean anything from a mommy group where you just go and you talk to other moms. And maybe there are other moms who have had closely spaced children. And they can help. They, they can share been there, done that with you. Or maybe they're in the trenches right now. And so they can just empathize with you and you guys can talk about the challenges. That can be really helpful. If you don't have anywhere local, or even if you do, you can also probably find forums for moms with closely spaced kids, two under two, or Irish twins, or that sort of thing. Finding a forum where you can just talk and type, and the anonymity of that can be very therapeutic sometimes. Finding something like that can be really helpful. Also, talking about your feelings throughout this pregnancy while you're balancing growing a new little one and still mothering a little one who's very much a baby still. Um, talking about that to your midwife or to your obstetrician if you've got an OB who really listens to you or maybe a nurse at your OB's office that you've really connected with. So talking with your midwife, your doctor, your nurse can really be very helpful because that's usually a very safe place to say, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling worried or I have a particular worry that's related to my having a closely spaced pregnancy. 
if you have older children, then let them help. Uh, so one thing that I thought was really nice this time, which was very different from my pregnancy with Asher when Cassidy was just a little little one, was this time around when I had Honor and Corwin very close together. I had older children who were really able to help a lot around the house. I, I made freezer meals, which we'll talk about more in a little bit, but I didn't have to do much work at all with that because I had made the meals in advance and they were able to pretty much prepare and serve them out. And uh, and Cassidy, again actually, Cassidy was able to make lunches for us this time around. So I was really able to relax and even during my pregnancy they were a big help. So if you have older kids, let them help out. That's a way that you really bless them because you help prepare them for life when they're an adult. And they're able to bless you, which in general makes kids feel great because they know that they're helping mom out and and really contributing to the family. So it's a win-win situation, and you're not depriving them or being mean at all, asking them to help out. So if you have kids who are old enough to help in that way, then, then go ahead and just let them do that. And, of course, Dad, you're welcome to help as much as possible because, remember, at this time, uh, Mom really is going through a lot of major physical changes, and having two babies can be very tiring, even if one is still in the womb. In fact, might even be more challenging when Mom might be feeling under the weather because of morning sickness or extreme fatigue. And any way that dads can help out is really great, and oftentimes... You might not want baby to be taken away overnight by a family member or a friend, but it's perfectly fine for your little one to go out with dad, so dad could even leave you some time to just really be able to rest. So, mom, let dad help, and dad, find creative ways to help mom, even ways that you might not normally do so around the house and with cooking and that sort of thing. So how do closely spaced pregnancies affect you physically? Pregnancy does put stress on your body. It is a challenge. This is probably the number one that you hear negative things about closely spaced pregnancies in the medical world because closely spaced pregnancies can really deplete a woman. They can be a risk factor for complications. I actually greatly disagree with uh, the Weston A. Price Foundation on this issue. I, in general do agree with the Weston A. Price Foundation's nutrition information because it's excellent and I would recommend their uh, diet for pregnant and nursing women to you. I would recommend their dietary information for your family. But they have a pretty strong stance on child spacing of at least three years between children because they say that the mother's nutrient stores are very depleted. And it's the reason I bring this up right now is because it's related to the medical profession saying that babies have more complications and mothers have more complications after a closely spaced pregnancy. So I'm not advocating for closely spaced pregnancies, but I know that a lot of families choose that, and I know that a lot of families feel comfortable leaving the spacing of their children up to God, or they just don't want to intentionally space pregnancies. They want the babies to come as they will, and sometimes that means there's going to be three months between pregnancies, even with breastfeeding. Breastfeeding fertility may not last a a really long time, no matter how much you quote-unquote do it right. So I like to be supportive of all families, and I'm biased because I've had pregnancies that are very closely spaced together. And, uh, and of course, I don't like thinking that I've done anything wrong or that I'm driving my children for that reason. But I also feel like um, that 
in both cases where I had a closely spaced pregnancy, the baby coming in the pregnancy after really ended up having a lot of benefits because uh, when I was pregnant with Cassidy, I had a great midwife who really taught me a lot about nutrition. And so Cassidy was a very healthy baby. But by the time I got pregnant with Asher, um, I had learned so much more just because of all the study that I felt compelled to do after I had Cassidy and knew that I wanted to figure out how to take care of the best for her. So our diet had changed a lot, and my nutrition was much better. And I really think that even though Asher and Cassidy are only 19 months apart, Asher really had the benefit of me having a much healthier pregnancy diet and having been healthier pre-pregnancy than I was uh, even before I got pregnant with Cassidy. And then I had a very hard pregnancy with Honor. And though I ate well, I just I wasn't mentally and emotionally in the best of places. And even after she was born, I, I really struggled with body image issues. And it wasn't until she was probably about six, seven months old and then really eight or nine months old when I, I really felt that it was safe for me to start working on my weight and working on my body and what I wanted me to feel like and how I wanted me to feel like that I really started to feel good again. And at that point, I was really eating well and I was super well nourished. We were exercising uh, frequently and I was just doing really well. Honor was thriving on my milk and on solids. And I really felt great and was physically just really well nourished. I was doing really well. I'd gotten over all the depression because depression can keep you from eating well. And and then when I conceived Corwin, it, it was several months after all of that good eating and healthy lifestyle habits were started. So and I feel like my pregnancy with him has been was one of the easiest that I had, even though he and Honor are uh, only about 21 months apart. So uh, I don't feel like necessarily closely spaced pregnancies mean doom and gloom for you and your baby, even in a physical or nutritional sense. I do feel like they require a lot of vigilance and a lot of dedication on on mom's part. And I also think that this is a place where a supportive dad is really helpful because you, dad, really need to advocate for her and you need to help her be able to get what she needs. So encourage her to eat as much as she needs to eat. Tell her that she's beautiful so she doesn't feel bad about eating so much. Because really, uh, you need to make sure that your body is in top condition because you are having pregnancies closely spaced together. You don't have the maternal stores that you would have had. And so you need to get a lot of food to make up for that. And it needs to be high quality food. So everybody who takes my classes knows, and and you probably know if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, that I'm really big on nutrition. So of course I'm going to say that your pregnancy nutrition and having excellent pregnancy nutrition is so very important. Um, But I I, I do want to talk specifically about a couple of nutrients that I feel like are really, really important to you. Um to have during your pregnancy and one of those is make sure that you're getting plenty of iron because pregnancy does it you aren't losing iron through your monthly period but you lose iron when you give birth to your baby and your iron stores are just they're really affected 
during pregnancy. So you really want to make sure that your baby is well nourished and is getting plenty of iron, and you're getting plenty of iron to be able to support your baby's growth. So you can get a lot of iron through red meats. Those are a good thing. Egg yolk, those are a good thing. And, um, and you just want to continue to make sure that you're getting all those good iron foods. I really recommend the animal foods of iron. But if you're having a lot of trouble, then I would recommend an herbal iron supplement like Floridix. I'll put that in the show notes or whatever you can find in your country. I would not recommend that you take iron pills like the obstetrician might prescribe. If you feel like you need extra iron, take the Floridix and please, uh, lots of steaks. And if you can stomach it, liver once a week, you can have it in pate, liver worst you can mix it in with other meat and a chili or some other heavily flavored dish but you you want to get that iron from animal-based sources or and an herbal-based iron supplement if you need it in addition another thing that's really good for you is eggs i would recommend that you have at least two eggs a day and maybe more if possible because the eggs are just they're so beneficial for your body and um and they really help they help ensure that you're getting plenty of protein, plenty of iron, uh, plenty of trace nutrients, and they make a big difference in the health of the amniotic sac, which you want to stay strong. All of that helps prevent prematurity, helps prevent intrauterine growth retardation, which are two problems that are kind of com- not common, but more common than than they would be with a pregnancy that's not closely spaced. So you want to make sure that you're getting those. I go into a lot more detail uh, on good nutrition uh, in my birthing classes, or I actually have the nutrition excerpt from my birthing classes available standalone as my natural prenatal nutrition guide. And you can go to naturalbirthandbabycare.com slash shop.html to see that. I'll also put it in the pregnancy notes. Um, but, but that goes into a lot more detail if you want real guidance on good nutrition. I don't want to use this entire podcast time up on that, so I'll stop with that and move on because we have a bunch more to cover, Um, and I'm already 20 minutes into the podcast. If you are considering tandem nursing, I will say that you should eat for twins. So if you're considering tandem nursing, follow a pregnancy diet for twins. Two that I would recommend to you are Dr. Brewer's pregnancy diet or Dr. Barbara Luke's or twins diet. Dr. Brewer's diet has a variation for twins, so you'd use the variation for twins. Dr. Barbara Luke's pregnancy diet is designed for twins and multiples, so I would recommend those, and I go over both of those in natural prenatal nutrition. So again, you can look there or you can research those on your own. I'll put those two names in the show notes. Okay, let's move on to other physical things that you might experience. Fatigue is is your biggest issue, most likely. That's going to be what you're really battling with the most because you're having closely spaced pregnancies, you're pregnant, which in its in and of itself is very fatiguing, and you're taking care of another baby or a very young toddler. And that's just, that can really wear you out. I would make sure that you prioritize getting your rest. When your baby or toddler is napping, you need to nap too. 
I would do anything you can to make sure that that can happen. And if you're working right now and they're in daycare, then I would try and find a way to take a nap at work. Either go out to your car and nap, lock your office door and nap, see if there's a conference room that you can lock and nap. But and, and at the very least, try and nap when you get home. I know that if your little one's in daycare, you probably want to spend a lot of time with them as soon as you get home. And in that case, you may want to consider just going to bed when you put your little one to bed. So get home, spend some time together, have supper, and then go to bed because you really need to get your rest. But if possible, I would recommend that you nap at least once during the day and that you take it easy during the rest of the day. When your little one is wanting your attention, a good thing to do is sit on the couch with them, read books, put your feet, and then both of you can relax together. Just really prioritize getting the rest that you need and and take the time to do the things that you need to de-stress so that you can relax when you have that time. So take a shower and relax before you lay down if that would be helpful. Um, Read a good book for a little while before you drift off to sleep, that sort of thing. Just do some things to pamper yourself. Getting good exercise can help you stay in good physical shape for giving birth and can prepare you for giving birth. It helps you feel better. Um, It helps keep your blood and lymph and all those things in your body flowing through so that everything is getting carried around. Your baby's getting optimal nourishment and you feel the best. Exercise can be fun when you have a baby or a young toddler because they often like to do your pregnancy exercises right along with you or they will sit and just giggle you do the exercises Uh, you can take a walk every day this is especially good with a young toddler who kind of just ambles along an early walker you can take a walk outside with them every day weather permitting and just go at their pace and That lets you go at a nice relaxed pace, which is especially nice late in pregnancy. But you can just look around at the things that they want to see. And when they stop and stare at a blade of grass or a hill of ants or want to watch a construction truck for a few minutes, you can just stop and enjoy that with them while you're getting fresh air and while you're moving for your baby. And then if you want to do something more rigorous, take a more rigorous walk, you can always put them in a stroller and stroll along with them. Or if you feel comfortable with it, you can put them in a baby carrier on your back. Make sure that you take care of yourself emotionally so that you feel good. I hinted at this a little bit about the stress relief. There are a number of things that you can do to really help yourself feel good about yourself, including picking good maternity clothes, taking time to de-stress and relax, accepting the fact that closely spaced pregnancies probably mean that you're not going to have the body of your dreams, so to speak. You won't have time to lose the baby weight. There are a lot of things you can do just acceptance-wise to help yourself feel emotionally great during your pregnancy. I'm actually going to link to a post uh, from Erica Shoup of Large Families on Purpose in the show notes because she has written an excellent post on handling closely spaced pregnancies and goes over a lot of these things. And I really feel like it's a great resource that I can't I can't do as much justice to the topic as she does. So I'm going to link that for you in the show notes so you can read. She's just got some really great ideas and she's had a bunch of closely spaced ones, so she's the expert. 
Other things you can do, get chiropractic care or see a physical therapist if you're in pain. If you're in pain, bring it up to your doctor or your midwife so they can help you figure out what to do uh, to get out of pain as much as possible. Consider using a prenatal support garment like the prenatal cradle. Uh, Pay attention to your pregnancy posture. Sit on a birth ball, that sort of thing. Those are all things that will help you maintain your physical well-being. And then during during the birth, I want to say I feel like it's really important for you to have a physiologically normal third stage. First, why that's important and then exactly what that means. First, why it's important is because if you have closely spaced pregnancies, one of the biggest risks is postpartum hemorrhage complications with you and good nutrition will go a long way to preventing that so very much make sure of that but a physiologic third stage will also go a long way towards preventing that what does that mean physiologic third stage that means that everything happens as nature intended it in the third stage it's not interrupted I've got an entire podcast on this topic coming soon, so I'm not going to go into it in detail. But essentially what you want during that third stage, the third stage is right between the baby being born and the placenta being born. So during that third stage, what you want is you want baby put up on your chest, in your arms. You don't want a hat put on the baby. You want people to be quiet and... And essentially just leave you alone. The reason why that's important is because the smell of your baby, even even more so maybe even than breastfeeding, because your baby probably won't be interested in breastfeeding for about a half hour to an hour after birth. They just want to check you out. But the smell of your baby and the pheromones coming off of him or her really work in very powerful ways to help trigger your body's hormonal reactions to trigger your uterus to contract the placenta to shear off cleanly and be born and your uterus to clamp down after it's gone that's what prevents postpartum hemorrhage so by respecting that natural process and that very complex interplay you do go a long way towards preventing postpartum hemorrhage so you know just be with your baby snuggle into your baby's head smell his or her little head cuddle his or her body skin to skin with you ask everybody to be quiet for a little while maybe even have dim lights any newborn exams and things like that can safely be delayed so just try and respect that time and you have the best chance of avoiding a postpartum hemorrhage or any sort of complication like that Let's talk about financial issues. Financial issues can be very stressful, and this is often what's really stressful for the daddies. Remember that babies don't really have to be expensive. We have to pay for their births, and there are things that they need, but there's a lot that you can do to help lessen the expenses. Use baby equipment that you had for your first baby. If your first baby was a girl and the new baby is a boy and you got all pink with the first baby, that's okay. Your baby doesn't care. You can put your baby in a pink swing. He's not going to be offended. So use the baby equipment from your first baby. And um, you may want to get new clothes, but the equipment, it doesn't really matter. Breastfeeding saves a lot of money, obviously. I know some moms can't breastfeed and they choose to use formula or make their own formula and there's expense with that. But if you can breastfeed, do. That just saves so much money. 
Cloth diapering saves a lot of money, especially if you have two in diapers, which is very likely if you have closely spaced children. So even if you need to go and invest in cloth diapers now because you've been using disposables, um, I would recommend that because cloth diapering saves a lot of money, and if you get into a good system and have enough diapers, then laundering them really doesn't take all that much effort. Um, it, it can just be part of your daily routine. Now, if that's really overwhelming, then a good way to, dis to save on disposables is to see if you can buy them from a local warehouse club store like Costco or Sam's Club. Um, and then if you can mail order them from somewhere like Amazon.com or Diapers.com, they often help you make uh, make buying disposable diapers less expensive but cloth diapers you buy one supply and then both both babies can be in them and that can save you a lot of stress over finances for diapers hand-me-downs are wonderful for baby clothes so if you get hand-me-downs if somebody offers hand-me-downs say hey I'll take them um, Craigslist free cycle great places to look for baby clothes if you need them your baby really doesn't care that he or she is wearing hand-me-downs. And so it, it doesn't matter. And actually, consignment shops, if you have a consignment shop in town, you can usually find clothes there that are brand new. And oftentimes, hand-me-downs will be brand new because babies grow so fast that they may have worn an outfit one time. Or you may even get outfits with the tag still on because the baby just never wore them. So you can get good clothes for your baby uh, at consignment shops or even as hand-me-downs that, that really show very little use. And you can have all the clothes you need for your baby with, uh, with very little expense. Consignment shops are also a good place to look for gear. So if you need gear or if you need something like a toddler bed for your older child, then those are places to get good equipment that doesn't cost quite as much. And then other techniques for saving money always are applicable when you when you have closely spaced little ones planning your meals so that you can make more meals from scratch that saves money paying careful attention to the budget letting go of things that aren't necessities that sort of thing can help make the budget easier and remember that children are a blessing and anything that you sacrifice for them will be repaid in dividends because you have the experience of parenting them and that Parenting is a wonderful thing. It's very challenging. It can feel really challenging when you're trying to balance two little ones. But it's always rewarding to think about how you're helping a new adult grow into a good person and how much they help you grow as a person. So just remember that even while you're facing things that don't seem all that much fun like meal planning and budgeting. Managing your household with closely spaced pregnancies. Start by managing your morning sickness, fatigue, and other pregnancy symptoms like we talked about in the physical. Because if you feel better, you will be better able to handle your pregnancy or your household during your pregnancy. Other things that I would recommend are pack away toys and books. So there's a manageable amount, so it doesn't take a lot of effort for you to clean up after your little one. You can rotate toys and books. So put some away and every month or every couple weeks, pull out new, or not new to them, because they probably will have forgotten them, uh, new to them toys so that the toys stay fresh, but it's still manageable for you to clean up in the evening or around lunchtime when they've pulled everything out. Again, read stories with your little ones so that you can have time to rest. 
take walks with your little ones so that you have time to get out and feel good. Uh, and, and as far as cleaning goes, prevention is a good strategy. So just get in the habit of when you go to the bathroom, you know, the million times a day that you're doing that, just take a minute to wipe the sink down or to straighten the towels or to change out the towels um, and sweep the floor real quick, wipe the toilet down. Just do one little thing at a time. And when you go into the kitchen and prepare a meal, you know, wash your uh, food preparation utensils right away and clean up any materials, cans, boxes, that sort of thing right away. Wipe down the kitchen counters right there. Wash the dishes as soon as you're done with them. And when you and your little one, like I said, with limited toys, when y'all are done playing, just throw everything into a box real quick. You can also use strategies like closing off rooms of the house or putting up a baby gate so that you guys are only in one central location during the day. All of those little things work together to make household management a lot less overwhelming to you. I do recommend that you get up during the day or that you get up and you get dressed and that you do these little things during the day because it has a positive impact on your peace of mind and on your well-being and how you feel if you've taken the time to do these things. So managing your household is possible. Um even when you have closely spaced ones. And do remember to give yourself a break, though ironically it's probably the time when you'll be least likely to uh, give yourself a break late in pregnancy. You're probably going to want to nest and pick things up. So if that's the case, use this time to get your house scrubbed. But also remember it's okay to go easy on yourself. Just do a little bit here and there and you'll help stay on top of everything. A few things about when your baby comes because they require some preparation beforehand um, and then some reassurances and then we'll close out the podcast because I know I'm already getting long with it. But have a new baby box ready. So have a box packed with brand new things, new books, some new toys and things like that and then pull that out after the babies come. You can even say it's a present from the baby to your older child. But these are all things that you can do to help keep your little one occupied while your hands are full of a brand new little one because it's hard to juggle a newborn and a toddler sometimes. So having that box ready beforehand can really make things a lot easier and it's often a lot of fun to sit down and plan out all these little treats for your child. And if you want to go with the toy rotation thing, you could even come up with a couple of different boxes. So you could give one right after the baby's born and then one at one or two weeks old. And that helps keep things fresh for your toddler and, and helps keep him or her occupied. Freezer meals are another good idea. I recommend this for all pregnant women, but especially for you, mom, who are going to have too close an age. So what you need to do to get freezer meals ready without it being overwhelming to you during your pregnancy is just double meals. So when you get to, say, seven months pregnant or so, one night a week, two nights a week, just start doubling your meals. So if you make a lasagna, double that. Um... Or if you make any kind of casserole, can usually be doubled and frozen pretty easily. You can look up online for freezer meals. And I, I have a cookbook. I can link to it um, in the show notes. I don't remember what it's called right now. But it was a super great resource for me for finding good freezer recipes. And so you can find those pretty easily. And then you just make the casserole or make the dish. And you double it when you're cooking it. And then you put the other half in the freezer. And... It's almost magical how your freezer stock builds up, and then that's so wonderful after your baby's born. You can also plan some movies um, if your little one will watch movies. I've had some that will and some that won't. 
sit for movies. But if your little one will watch some movies, then you can have some movies on hand that they'll be able to watch while you're nursing the baby and want some quiet. And remember that the really little ones tend to go with the flow. One of the biggest blessings about my closely spaced ones, Cassidy and Honor, both kind of just accepted that they had a new sibling and they kind of went with the flow. They weren't really old enough to feel threatened by the sibling. So things just really, really went nicely and they just sort of accepted that the baby was here and that's the way life is. So there's not quite as much sibling rivalry. And and finally, this is a great time for dad to shine. This is a wonderful time for you because mom's going to have her hands full of the new baby and especially if she's breastfeeding. And so this is a great time for you to really bond with your older child. And older children often really love daddy at this point because daddy's there to cuddle with them and daddy sometimes takes over things that mom was doing before. And it's just a wonderful time to see that father-child bond grow. So dad, remember that this is a great time for you to not only help mom, but to really get to experience your older child and, and treasure this time with him or her while mom is is really uh, mooning over the new baby. All right, so hopefully this was helpful for you. And if you want to have an episode where we just focus on managing life after the baby comes more than the pregnancy focus in this episode, I'll be happy to do that. Just let me know. You can let me know about that or send me any other comments or ideas that you have for what you'd like me to cover. Kristen at naturalbirthandbabycare.com. I'd love to hear from you. I would also love it if you would give me a rating on iTunes. I've gotten a few lately and I would love to get even more. Just go to iTunes and and click on how many stars you think the podcast is worth. And if you have the time, leave me a, a comment. Just take a minute or two and let me know what you like about the show. Let me know if you think I can improve something. I would love to hear your feedback. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.